This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Kia ora, you're listening to Flatting Today on MPR Manawatu People's Radio. Te reo irangi o ngā tangata o Manawatu. I'm Ben Schmidt from the Manawatu Tenants Union and this week we are going to be talking once again about one of our first uh, post-2021 lockdown episodes about some of the latest renting news and issues from around the country. We don't have any interviewees to join us this week but we will certainly be having more join us over the coming weeks. So getting straight into it, what has been happening? Um, down here in the Manawatu we went into a lockdown, we've come out of that lockdown since then and what's quite noticeable for us, Manawatu Tenants Union, was really a couple of things. It is that while people were on the whole uh, much a lot of people were a bit better equipped to deal with the lockdown the second time around. It still hit people hard, especially that is for workers in insecure, precarious or paid work or who just have bad employers that aren't paying them or they aren't paying them in full what they should receive during the lockdown uh, when they still have a employment agreement in place and are ready and willing to work except for that lockdown. So that was definitely tough for some workers and some renters flowing on to not being able to afford to pay the rent. Um, We also saw difficulties around moving out of tenancies, moving into new tenancies, and there was always the stress and the uncertainty that comes around that. But what was especially disappointing was seeing the lack of action from the government to implement changes, legislative changes to protect tenants this year. Whereas last year we saw very quick action, hardly before we could even start asking for it, to be honest, um, to effectively stop stop all termination of tenancies, make it illegal to try and kick a tenant out wrongfully during the lockdown while also freezing rent increases. This year we had nothing. Um, And it has only just been in the last week actually that we have started to see some... In the last week or two, um, we've seen the government out of the blue announce some legislation that will provide some tenancy protections or that could uh, protect tenants during a pandemic. The government is looking to effectively create what are called COVID-19 tenancies orders, where the Minister of Housing can declare for a period of time, presumably in a Level 3 or a Level 4 situation, Uh, that during this period most tenancies will not end um, and also to add a bit of buffer time onto the end of that as well when that order expires. The problem with that though is that we we don't have any rent freeze uh, this time round with the legislation as it is currently proposed and there are all sorts of um, clauses and sub-clauses and fine details of this proposed legislation where a lot of people could forth- potentially 
um, either fall through the cracks or not get uh, the protections that they need and deserve. And this is currently being rushed through Select Committee. There was only approximately or about one week, just under one week, um, from when the bill was announced and the date of closing submissions to Select Committee was advised through to now, um, with submissions closing earlier this week on midnight Tuesday. Uh, that may be the week before when you are listening to this episode. So there have been submissions made by tenant advocates, there have been some submissions made by landlord advocates, and what we'll be doing in this episode is hopefully playing a few excerpts from some of those submissions. Here is our submission from the Manawatu Tenants Union. Kia ora Ben, kia ora Ben, good to see you there. Um, look, hey, thanks for um, making a submission and for being available. Um, we've had a chance to read your submission and really just inviting you to touch on the main points and answer any questions we, we may have. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Mori Nakoto, just to focus on where we're coming from, we advocate for tenants at the Manawatu Tenants Union, not just in the Manawatu, but across Piedoa. And where the submission comes from is the experiences of the people that we're working with. Um, and also our conversations with other people who work in this area, such as Community Law and Tenants Protection Association. In short, we are really excited to see this bill come in place. It is long overdue that we have uh, further protections for tenants in the event of lockdown, and that those can be flexible to meet the Delta environment. We do want to see these put in place sooner rather than later, um, because we never quite know how the situation can change and saying that, with the short submitting period, um, it has been challenging to properly engage with the bill. And we, we do have some concerns and some areas for recommendation in our submission. In short, we feel that the reliance on ministerial discretion is not sufficient. Um, tenants and also landlords need assurance that if we go into a higher COVID level or a more restrictive environment, then a COVID tenancies order will be put in place. Um, and that should be a compulsory requirement rather than leaving it to discretion. If an order is going to possibly be revoked or amended, then there needs to be notice of that, a minimum notice period, a review date for an individual tenancy order. But there needs to be a mechanism so that people are not always with uh, overhanging uncertainty of what's going to happen next. Is this going to be cut right back? Is it going to go on for longer? So really, we're calling for more certainty and more stability by ensuring that a tenancies order will be in place during higher COVID restrictions um, and also providing for minimum notice periods of those tenancies order, minimum notice to uh, revoke or to review that. Going into some of the more technical details of the bill as well, there is still a lot of work to be done and a lot of consideration to be made by the Select Committee, especially regarding the fact that rent increases have not been addressed. That is one of the most fundamental issues for tenants. It was one of the major issues we saw coming out of the lockdown in 2020. There needs to be protections to ensure that the rent paid does not go up during a COVID tenancies order, especially for our casual, precarious and insecure workers, or, and also workers whose employers are not acting the way they should be, 
who are breaching their employment agreements and not paying workers in full during the lockdown, as we know has happened. Uh, I have provided some more technical comments as well um, in my submission around recommendations such as rent arrears, extending tenancy. It's a really, actually, I've got your submission and had a read. Yeah. It's a really good one. So yeah. thanks for the detail you've got in there. Um, Just in terms of that, can I ask you a question around that high level question, which is about the ministerial dis discretion? Hmm. Um, now, I guess the issue is that by doing this, we're, you're suspending the kind of general law in respect of tenancies or you're changing mm -hmm. it by imposing this. The general sense is that, that shouldn't, there should be some pretty significant checks on that because it's a big shift, right? It's actually undermining in some ways what Parliament has done. Mm -hmm. are you, so what level of check are you saying? Do you not think that it sh should be kind of a parliamentary step? you think it should be ministerial? So... Uh, just to question, firstly, I understand the bill as it is, is that the minister will make the order, but that they need will make the order, but they need yeah. to take things into consideration. They need to check with the prime minister and others. Um, I absolutely believe there should be appropriate oversight. Our concern is that uh, that still leaves some uncertainty for tenants. We saw the fact that we went through a whole lockdown for those of us in the Manawatu before this bill has even been introduced to Parliament, and that doesn't give us complete confidence um, that a timely order may be made in the future. Okay. Yep. Okay, I, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Chloe has a question. Kia ora, Ben. Thank you for your submission. Um, you're calling for a rent freeze um, to be added to it, as we found in the original legislation as well last time that we had a lockdown in 2020. Uh, and I note that a number of other submitters have done the same. Um, but you also note that we saw historical rent increases after the rent freeze came off at the end of last year. Uh, and I'm just wondering, you know, when you speak about how there are considerations outside of just the lockdowns and the flow on effects for tenants, whether there had been anything about rent controls larger or if it was just that rent freeze that you were concerned with? Thank you. We absolutely believe that rent control is needed. Um, we've said that consistently for a long time. The need for that was highlighted more than it possibly ever has been before coming out of the lockdown and as rents continue to rise. So we strongly recommend um, any members listening today do support uh, calls for rent control and we're aware that there has been consideration of that done by HUD and going to Cabinet, we would love to see that progress further. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. And look, can I just say thanks for the work that you and others do around uh, tenants' rights and tenants' protections. It's a really important voice um, in this area. So thanks for coming online. Thanks for a really good submission over a short period of time. So kia ora. Thank you. That was our submission with the Manawatu Tenants Union. We're now going to just briefly play a couple of other uh, submissions and some of the conversation that followed from other tenant advocates um, just to give you a bit of an idea of some of the wider corridor that is happening on this and some of the other points that have been raised on this matter. Kia ora everybody, um, Sumi can hear me? Morena Penny, yes we can hear you nicely. Fantastic, um, yep so I won't talk for too long because I know that you probably would like some time for questions and I know that you want to read our submission. Um, so, yeah, so I'm manager of Tenants Protection Association in um, Christchurch. We're an organisation that's been around for about 40 years, um, providing advocacy advice uh, information to tenants um, and providing education to the community on tenancy-related issues. So we've sort of been dealing with tenancy for a long time. Um, so, yeah, so along with other tenant advocates, we were really excited when we were advised that this bill would be coming in. 
Um, we have um, last year and this year we worked through lockdowns, helping tenants with sort of navigating um, the issues that came up and found that the legislation from last year, the 2028, that was brought in was really great. It was user-friendly. Um, tenants could understand it. Um, they would ring us just for clarification and we found that it worked quite smoothly. Um, afterwards, there was sort of, you know, a few tweaks that we would like to have seen come in um, if it was needed again in the future. Um, unfortunately, what we've ended up in this bill is very complex. It's complicated. Reading other people's submissions, there's already a lot of confusion um, about what's in there and what would happen if there is a future lockdown. Um, so, yeah, so our submission sort of reflects our concerns with that. Um, we would obviously like something in place um, for if there is future lockdowns, but we feel that as the bill is at the moment, it is, like I said, quite complex. Um, we're not confident in giving a tenant's advice um, for what's currently written in there. Um, so, yeah, so we, we sort of have some concerns um, with it. Um, in particular, though, our recommendations that, um, are that the, um, the minister must put an order in place. At the moment, it's that the um, minister may, and one of our concerns is that in our current situation, we had a lockdown for a few days while you know, everybody assessed what was happening, and then a few more days, and then it became longer, and then Auckland's became longer still. And the concern is that that sort of rolling over um, of, of a lockdown period means that it's open for a minister to say, well, actually, it's only a few days, we might not need it. And by then, a tenant has, and a landlord has been in a situation of, of a rolling lockdown. Um, it also leaves it open for the minister to actually decide on on on, you know, on who's in the air at that time, whether or not it gets switched on. Um, and we don't believe that that should be um, left open to that sort of situation. It, it, sh it needs to be switched on. Um, also, with the end um, of the order, um, one of the things that concerns that tenants had last time was clarity around when when can I move? My landlord wants me to move because you know they've got somebody else coming in. I want to move because my new place is, is better and my landlord's actually already charging me rent and I haven't been able to move yet. So that clarity as to when the order ends is also really important. So the, the switching on, switching off, depending on, on what things look like on the day, doesn't provide that clarity for landlords and tenants. They need to know how long is this going to be in place for with that review happening and then a set date given. So the switching on, switching off must come on and, and we need an end date. We need to know at the time how long are we actually looking for. Like as, like, as we know with the current lockdown, an end date wasn't going to be able to be given at the start, but at least saying it's a minimum of 28 days with a review means that tenants know that that's, that's what they're looking to. Um, we would like, um, there was last time there was a provision that a landlord taking steps to end a tenancy during the lockdown that weren't within um, what was in that legislation was an unlawful act. We would like that to stay. Uh, particularly with boarding houses, we saw a lot of tenants being told by landlords, you've got to go um, and being given 12 hours by the end of today, by the end of the weekend. Um, it wasn't only the giving notice and it wasn't only applying for an order, but it was actually the threats and the intimidation that was also a concern. So also taking steps to enforce an order or taking steps to enforce a notice, we would also like to see that to be an unlawful act as well. Um, the What we were expecting was that um, a notice period that a tenant's been given is, is sort of deferred or it's, it's um, suspended during during. Uh, the order timeframe, that's not 
in there. Um, and so again, a concern, particularly in Auckland, that we had this lockdown was it was tenants being given a notice before the lockdown started. They've been locked down for 35 plus days. But because in this current uh, current bill, it, it, it's not ending during that lockdown phase, it's not it's not covered. So you've lost that time frame to actually be able to um, look for another property. There's no open homes. Um, you know, we strongly advise tenants not to move into a property they haven't been to. Um, so, yeah, you, you've taken out all of that time frame that they can look for another property. And our concern is that that will then also put pressure on emergency housing um, and tra- transitional housing, just simply for, la- for lack of time to actually look for another property. It's not a quick process. Um, it's not a quick process to find another property. It, it actually does quite, take quite a bit of time by the time tenants go through the, all the checks and everything that landlords want to do. Um, we're concerned by um, also in relation to that um, rents going up, up at a time when people are un, under financial strain. Um, so what we would like to see is also any um, rent increases deferred at the same time. So it's not to say the landlord can't still increase the rent after the lockdown's finished, but just for that time frame, it's pushed out to allow that tenant to have some time to actually you know, um, put in check their financial position. Um, we're also actually concerned by the number of orders that were pushed through the tribunal on the papers. Um, like you've seen from our submission, um, $350,000 worth of orders were put, pushed through by Kaima Ora. Um, we've helped some of those tenants actually overturn those orders. So it, it's not just a, a, all these tenants owe all of this money. Um, it's been done on the papers. It's been pushed through in a hurry, and, and they weren't urgent. They were tenancies that had finished months before the lockdown even started. Um, And also we would like it to be really clear that victims of domestic violence can also withdraw from their tenancy during this period as well. Um, Unfortunately, those regulations aren't in, so that's not actually in place at the moment in the first place. Um, But we would like that to be clear that tenants can still use that provision during a lockdown. So I'll hand it over to you for questions. Thank you very much, Penny. We just um, we have about four minutes for questions, so we'll start with Chloe, please. Oh, Penny, thank you very much for your submission. Um, I just note that this legislation primarily contains, as far as residential tenancies go, uh, changes to what can happen under Alert Level 4. But given what we've heard over the past week, uh, it, it looks as though the strategy is changing somewhat, and particularly here in Tamakamakoto, Auckland, that we're to be in Level 3 for quite a while now. I guess I just wanted to ask you about you know, the points that you've made around the financial challenges and other challenges around um, domestic violence and otherwise, uh, in the context that all of this only applies to Alert Level 4, wondering whether you think that there's scope here for uh, extending that to this kind of new interregnum of Alert Level 3, whatever that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, one of the points that was made clear to me is that sort of Alert Level, because I sort of said, well, can we um, have it apply to Alert Level 3 and 4? And one of the things that was immediately made clear to me is that they're not legal concepts. And so that's why in reading through this bill, it doesn't actually, ref- I, I know um, theoretically we're talking about a le- level four, but actually on paper we're not. So there's actually no reason why it can't be extended to cover a level three or a bespoke level three or a um, phasing out of lockdown. So there's no reason why it can't actually be extended to cover those situations. And it actually means that it can be more easily aligned to the reality of what's happening in a, in a, within public health as well. 
Yeah, just I guess to elaborate on that point. So you you support this being extended to kind of apply to alert level three type of circumstances, given that there's not a strict legal definition, but it's orders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so what we did see after last year with the lockdown with level four is that as we shifted to level three, um, there, there sort of has to be almost a gearing up again of of, of moving, um, and so you know, because all of a sudden you've got tenants who are waiting to move to another property, but you've got tenants in that property who are waiting to move to another property. Or under the bill, you've got a tenant who's actually elected to stay. And we did have a tenant last year who, um, after all the issues she was having with her um, new tenancy, her new landlord demanding she paid rent before she had moved in while she was under lockdown because their property was empty. Her current landlord was actually being really accommodating and trying to give her as much help as possible. But in the end, even though the property was too small for her and her family, they decided to stay. They actually elected to stay in their current tenancy and went, it's too small, but this is actually a safer environment for myself and my children. So then the people expecting to move into that property can't move. So there is a flow on into level three. It's not that the first weekend in level three, everybody can suddenly move at the same time. Um, so it, it actually does need to extend into level three to allow that to sort of to, to gear up again and, and for people to start moving again. And just finally, um, if I may, Barbara. Yeah, um, just on the point about how this is not isolated to level four, it's therefore not isolated to level three. I know you're probably buzzing in from Christchurch and, you know, I'm here in the middle of Dalmakamakoto, Auckland, and there Mm. are still, as we've seen um, put forward by RBNZ and Treasury, distributional impacts that is a lot more pressure, particularly the most precarious in our society given the economic response. I just wanted to, I guess, provide that space for you to talk about uh, what those flow-on effects are into level to and whether this should offer us an opportunity to look broader at residential tenancy reform. Yeah, Um, and I I think, I mean, sort of highlighting the key things that tenants contacted us about last year was, um, first of all, like, when can I move? And so that was a a clarity around the current legislation. Um, My new landlord wants me to start paying my rent now, and I haven't moved. Um, Can my landlord force me to move? Um, and that's something we started to get a lot of. And like I say, it, 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 there's a flow on effect. You need, you know, when when people are moving tenancies, you need one to be free for, for, for that to start happening. And so, you know, how quickly we come down levels can have a huge impact on how long it actually takes for people to be able to move. Um, and the other concern is that we are potentially going to end up with people in emergency housing um, as a result of this, because they're being forced to move and they don't have a property to move to, they've, they've lost that notice period. Like I said, you know, if, if that doesn't get suspended, um, that is going to carry on right through um, across across the levels. And then you've got people that have been forced into emergency housing who are then having to come back into the to the housing market again as well. Um, so yeah, so so there is that flow on effect. And, you know, right through to the end of last year, we were still having tenants contact us in relation to the issues that had come up during lockdown because they had gone for, you know, two weeks, two, two months or more on 80% of their wages or less. Um, that, that financial strain did carry on right through to the end of last year. And same for landlords. We had tenants right through last year telling us that their property was being sold because the landlord could no longer afford it. Um, so it wasn't necessarily... RTA changes that were causing that. It was relationship breakups. It was we can't actually afford to now have our own home in a rental or we're selling our home to move into the rental. So those effects did actually carry on for months after the lockdown happened. 
Thank you so much, Penny, uh, very much for your considered um, submission and for your practical examples. Um, thank you also for the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. Kia ora koutou. I'm Sasha Green from Citizen Advice Bureau at the National Office. Um, thank you for the opportunity to submit. I'm very aware that you're having to jump from very diverse topics um, at rapid speed. So um, for this one, just to reorient yourself, I'm um, focusing on Schedule 5, which relates to the Residential Tenancies Act. Um, and uh, firstly, just want to acknowledge that um, yeah, we're really pleased to see the inclusion of, of the measures in there that are about trying to support people to um, stay in place when there are lockdown restrictions in a way that is um, manageable for them, that um, allows people to have security, but also to, to manage some of the, um, the inevitable uncertainties. And... Um, I just want to say as well, so the CAB continues to operate throughout all alert levels, but um, working from home at alert level three and four in that first um, 10 days or so after the 18th of August um, level four lockdown, we helped about two and a half thousand people and a considerable proportion of those were people with um, issues around their housing. Um, and I guess just wanting to acknowledge, and, and I have heard some of the other submissions that have been about, you know, commercial tenancies and big, big impact things, big business. Um, there's no doubt there's that really significant impact at the big scale in terms of the economy. But um, in terms of what we see at the CAB, often that is about the impacts on um, on individuals, on families. Um, and I can't understate the um, level of um, uh, distress and difficulty that we are seeing in terms of people's individual um, situations and um, some of that you know really comes home when it's about people actually just um, looking for assistance to find food to eat. So in terms of the Residential Tenancies Act protections um, we really support the idea of um, a simple mechanism for switching on um, those added protections. We would like to see a bit more certainty there in terms of it being a um, must-do when certain conditions are met. So those conditions are already in the legislation, but um, without the, the clarity that it's a yes, they will it will turn on if um, we're in those lockdown conditions where movements are restricted. Um, similarly, having some certainty about the end time frame would be useful. Um, a couple of things I just want to touch on. One is around the um, the impact of the allowable terminations on non-tenant household members. Um, this is something we see we've, we see a lot of, partly because um, currently there aren't protections, you know, in place for flatmates and private borders and. Um, the Tenancy Services just deals with the Residential Tenancies Act. If it doesn't fall under that, generally speaking, they say go and talk to the CAB. Um, and a lot of the situations we we have seen and certainly saw in those first few weeks at Level 4 was um, non-tenant household members being 
um, asked to leave. Um, so some of those situations could be under the allowable terminations, such as the death of a sole tenant, which is um, it's always an awful situation anyway. But, you know, we see at times terminations of um, tenancies for remaining household members because the person on the lease has passed away. Um, but more broadly than that, I think it's just recognising that if we want to support people to be able to um, stay in place and and not um, uh, add those risks that occur with people moving under certain um, restrictions, then we need to think about what that means for those other household members. Um, so we'd, we'd like some consideration of what it looks like for flatmates and private boarders who... Um, yeah, are regularly being kicked out during um, lockdown conditions. Um, another key thing, um, and it's just sort of one thing I wanted to throw in the mix because it, it keeps feeling like, a, you know, it's relevant at all stages, is we would like to see um, kind of a boosted use of mediation services um, and the availability of those for those non tenant household members um, you know if people have the opportunity to be supported to come to some kind of resolution that's going to be better for everyone and I think that's true around discussions with landlords and rent as well um, we would like to see a um, prohibition on rent increases during that COVID order period um, come back to this is not about saying um, you don't have to pay any rent it's just saying this is not the time to be asking people to pay even more than they do currently um, people are under a whole heap of other stresses um, often you know um, again in terms of our clients people who are having their hours cut at work who are you know having the conditions of their employment change without consultation may even be just told that they don't have any um, work anymore. Um, so, Sasha, um, I've got a couple of questions backed up. Are you okay to go to questions now? Sure. If you've okay. read what I'm saying, then. Yep. So, what, the what other one really key thing I would like to say is um, a common issue we were seeing was tenants caught, you know, caught between two tenancies. And I know this has come up a few times. The bill as drafted covers the situation where the tenancy that the person is going to is currently occupied so it's basically saying there's a mechanism to say you're not going to have to pay rent for the place that you were going to go to because someone's already there and you can get your rent in advance and your bond back but if that property is vacant you're still liable for both um, we would like to see that apply to the the property that is vacant as well because the situation for the tenant is the same. They can't move and they have obligations in the place that yep. they already are. That, that uh, has been identified. Ingrid. Cool. Um, thank you for a great submission. I'm wondering if you have disaggregated or got information around the non-leaseholders or flatmates based on gender, disability or ethnicity. Um, we... Or can. even anecdotally, can you <laughs> we can, but we haven't. Um, I mean, I would say in terms of um, demographics, um, there's certainly that skew towards the younger 
age groups for um, flatmates and private boarders. But we do see people, you know, in all stages of life who are having to live in those kind of settings. So um, even, you know, even people in their their um, 60s and 70s who might be in a in a private boarding situation or or flatting. Yeah. All right. Um, just so time for a quick one, Chloe. Yeah, kia ora. Thank you so much, um, Sasha. I just wanted to ask with regard to that um, mediation services idea, what form something like this would actually take? Are you talking there about a space which is expedited to alternative dispute resolutions come to conclusions on those rental arrangements or something else? Um, yeah, no, that's, I mean, there are mediation services available through tenancy services, but only for disputes between landlords and tenants. That would go some way to maybe trying to address some of the challenges here, but to broaden that would be great. And I think a, a sort of proactive offering of mediation would be really valuable rather than the parties themselves having to kind of, um, yeah, you know, identify that as an option, really trying to focus on the idea of um, best outcomes for everyone. Look, thanks for that, Sasha. A number of these issues have been touched on yes, by yeah. advocates for tenants in particular. So, um, but no, absolutely no harm in reinforcing that and hearing it put a different way. So thanks very much for your submission. Thank you. Kia ora. And that was submissions by a couple of other tenant advocates from around the country. This, So we hope you enjoyed listening to that and we will certainly be keeping you updated on progress to this, what it means for tenants and how you can get engaged as this bill passes through Parliament. We are... And we're looking forward to and very excited to see what happens. Don't forget that, as always, if you have any renting issues or questions, you can contact us at the Manawatu Tenants Union for free tenant advice and advocacy on 027-5422-071. Uh, you can also flick us an email on info at mtu.org.nz um, or just drop by the office, flick us a message on Facebook, whatever works best for you. you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the KiwiFruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.